You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Steve Avich. And we're practicing social distancing in episode 165 today, March 21st, 2020. We have a bit of an insightful show, I believe, for you today. We're going to be catching up with each other before diving into our topic of the day, which is being a gamer during the coronavirus. So, Steve. How you doing, Russ? Ah, you know what? I I must say I'm, I'm doing good, all things considered. I have made the move back to Texas. Due to uh, <laughs> the number of <laughs> the number of uh, um, lockdown procedures that are happening in California, and uh, I, I really did try to stay there for a while, as, as long as I could. I, I know that we were having meetings at the, the studio, and they were at the time making it optional to be able to work from home, and if you wanted to come into the office that you could do so. And I was just of the opinion at the time thinking, and then again, this is like, uh, I would say uh, about two weeks ago. And uh, I was thinking about how, well, since it sounds like about two thirds of the office are gonna be working from home, I'll just keep coming into the office because it's gonna be basically like a ghost town. It actually has kind of a, a opposite effect in a good way where I was not going to be surrounded by people. So I was thinking, okay, so I did that. And, uh, this past Monday was when all of a sudden there was a, the whole shelter in place order <laughs> came through in California, which I have never heard of before. And it was at that point where they started sending everybody home from the office and I decided I think it's probably time that I make it back to uh, my family located in, in Texas just because I think things are starting to get pretty real uh, all over the place. And so I, I just I figured to myself, I don't want to get stuck in California, even though California is is where I was born and raised and uh, as, as well as you, Steve. No, and um at the same time, I was just thinking, I think the the way that the the situation is headed in that everything is so fluid and there are these major announcements that are happening on a daily basis, I think it's probably best that I work from home myself. So I ended up flying back. And let me tell you, I was a bit hesitant to do so, a bit apprehensive perhaps. I was thinking about the uh, the idea of maybe cross countrying it in a car as opposed to going on a flight, just given uh, the severity of the situation. But I got to tell you, Steve, I, I think I may have. I, tell me if I have. Did I send you pictures of what the San Francisco airport looked like? No, you just told me about it. Didn't send me any pictures. I'll have to send you pics of it. I actually took a couple while I was there. It was also just very much like a ghost town. I got to say I, a very scant few people uh, to be had. I think there, I think I told you there were only like six people in front of me during the security check line. And so that was uh, a breeze to go through. And then as I was making my way through the SFO airport, there was hardly anybody around, uh, which was a little bit surreal in its own way, but getting onto the flight, also, uh, very few people. I, I, there was plenty of space between each of us, which was nice. The stewardess was wearing medical gloves, and I must say, I was impressed. I was flying on Alaska Airlines, and the you could smell. You could smell the disinfectant in the air, which mm. I thought... I have never smelled this before. And I, I didn't know... I, I ended up tweeting this out, actually. I was saying, I don't know if it's the crew that is doing double duty with just cleaning and wiping everything down, or if it's the passengers who have flown before me who brought their own disinfectant to wipe down, or maybe it's a little bit of both. But let me tell you, it smells in here like everything has been just disinfected like to the nth degree. And I would hate to be a virus in here because I don't think anything's going to survive. Like you could smell it. You know how, how the, how when you're in the cabin, you can turn on the little vents to give you some air. You could smell it blowing through the oh, air yeah. too. Like that's, that's how it was, but it wasn't, it wasn't like nail polish smell where you gag and it's hard to breathe or anything like that. Um, in a weird way, I think it was almost reassuring 
to have that type of smell. But having said that, there were several passengers who also were wearing medical masks and wearing their medical gloves and that sort of thing as they flew. So I made it back here safe and sound. Luckily, the family currently is healthy. Hopefully they will stay that way. And I'm glad to see that you and your wife is, are you, you guys are, are also healthy. We are healthy. We are safe. Although I haven't seen you yet, Russ. We, we ought to still establish we are quarantined in our houses for the purpose of following the rules as playing the just in case card. Yes. Uh, and so even though we are about a mile apart, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's some social distancing right there. You see, normally they want you to stay about six feet apart. Oh no, we're staying a mile apart. We're still talking. <laughs> you know, I should just wrap myself in um in plastic, like put myself in a big Ziploc bag. Yeah, I put <laughs> I put my, put an air mask on, and then try and like stuff the microphone in there. I'll just come over to your house like in a big plastic glove. You should get some of that industrial <laughs> bubble wrap and just wrap yourself over and over, like have like this nice thick layer of bubble wrap, and then you could literally just kind of bounce and roll your way down. And not That's get hurt. the thing. Yeah, I like, would. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I would be tempted to fall down the stairs just to see what would happen with all the bubble wrap. I'd be like, see, look, <laughs> no broken bones. <laughs> so this is what a protoplasm feels like. <laughs> oh, man. It's true, though. That we are, in fact, practicing that. We, we had a conversation early on about whether or not we should actually do this particular recording in person or not. And it was funny because out of just habit, I was just expecting you to come over and um, actually doing this like we were. And I was pretty excited about it too, just because uh, me being in California, you being in Texas for the last se several episodes, um, just the, the, the idea of having my brother right here in front of me where we can have it like we used to, it was uh, bring a tear to my eye, my, 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 my big bulging eye. But um we, we quickly decided that maybe that is probably not the best idea, seeing as how we would be uh, hypocritical if we were uh, making excuses and trying to justify doing this sort of thing as opposed to what has been ordered from the authorities. So here we are. Luckily, we, are, we already have our system in place so we can continue doing what it is that we love to do. But how are you doing, Steve? I have to say, I think I, I figured out my Wi-Fi issue that I've been complaining about for weeks on end. Um, so the long and short of it is it just sucks. <laughs> but I, I ran a Spectrum. No, 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 no sponsorship from Spectrum. No, no dollars thrown this way from Spectrum. But they've been bombarding the house with advertising ever since I moved over here. And I'm like, man, stop advertising so much and at the time i was just absolutely fine because the at&t that i had was blisteringly fast and so but ever since i got married my at&t has not liked me getting married whatsoever and it's slow <laughs> they to send a, you like a wedding gift but instead it's like something horrible like we are not happy you got married it's like a dump on a box and send it to my house this is from at&t Man, yeah. that's a little harsh. <laughs> Man, that's um, kind of hostile. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, this is not corporate culture. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm going to um, have to write them a letter. <laughs> so, anyhow, so it's been so bad, like literally so bad, where if I just come home and want to load up YouTube and watch a video or something, YouTube will either take forever to load or crash or. I'll just end up having to um, hit tap reload about 14 times before it actually does successfully, or I'll just give up and, and, and go right to Wi-Fi. Oh, Steve, I and have Netflix. I have a potential answer for you on that, but I don't know if you want okay. me to tell it to you now or if you want to finish your story. Oh, I'll just, just finish up here. Right? Yeah, okay. And so one, so uh, day before yesterday, another, another Spectrum ad came in the mail. And it's like, hey, you sign up and get 400 megabytes a second for only $50. 
And so I went, you know what? Let's just check it out. Okay. Let's just check. As the Beastie Boys said, let's check, 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 check it out. What, 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 what's it all about? So I went on the Spectrum's website. <laughs> and, and so they said, here, clock, try and, and clock your speed. And so I, we, so wifey and I clicked it and uh, I thought, you know what? It's probably going to say that you're, since you're not on Spectrum, because it knew we're on AT&T and it read the Wi-Fi um, or the, the router number. I'm like, you know, it's probably going to realize that we're not on, on Spectrum. And so marketing is going to say that we're actually slower than usual. I bet it's going to do that. And so it, it did this little clocky thing. And then it said, oh, man, you're, you're running at 27 megabytes a second. I'm like, man, that is freaking slow. So, okay, well, uh, <laughs> let's just com- compare. Now, that's like modem days almost. So I thought, okay, so... Let's compare. And I went, so I went to uh, AT&T site and I went, okay, the same thing is like clock your speed. And so I clicked the thing. And of course, the way it has to animate is it has to bring like this speedometer looking gauge into the red zone. Like, oh man, you're going so fast. Ah! And then it just goes all the <laughs> way back to the left and it goes, oh, you're already, uh, you're only uploading and downloading by about 32 megabytes a second. I'm like, man, even AT&T knows I'm going slow. What in the freaking world? Yeah. So... <clears throat> Uh, so the AT&D bill is like crazy expensive. It's like 150 bucks, especially since they came here and tried to fix it with putting in this, whatever they put in some other booster box. And, um, so yeah, we might be making a switch just to get something working again, man. Can you, I mean, I, when I was at your house, you're like, what's taking the internet so long? I'm only going at 112 megabytes a second. I should be going a lot faster than that. <laughs> I remember that before you left. And I'm now I'm, I'm a quarter of what you were. Crazy. So, so I have two things to say about that. One is, is as you're describing that story, I couldn't help but have this visual in my head. You know, like, like when we were kids and we'd be out there like doing water fights or, or we were just messing with the hose and like, there's always someone who feels compelled to like secretly grab the hose and, and like kind of squeeze it a part of it together. So that way the, the water flow like goes down to a dribble right. and then people are like, what the heck is happening? What the heck? <laughs> yeah. And you look over and it's like, Hey, I feel like like that's kind of like what's going on with you is like somehow there's like a, a hose for the internet speed and like a spectrum guy is like squeezing it together. And <laughs> even though it's an AT&T hose, and you're like, why is this internet so slow? And you look over and you're like, hey, not that that's actually happening. Yeah. But, uh, in my <laughs> Looney Tune brain, that is, is kind of the visual for that. But um, I think part of the problem, Steve, that you were describing has to do with the fact that more and more folks are working from home and especially as the quarantines are being activated across yeah, the United States. Y- you know, I knew you're going to say that, but the thing is, this is just, that that has only happened recently. That's only been happening for like the last month at the most. Uh-huh. The slowdown, the snail's pace, the not getting what you've been paying for has been happening since November, Russ, before oh. Christmas. Oh, well, that's a bit different because I was going to say, and I think I might have even forwarded this to you. I can't remember. My my brain is not uh, cooperating as much as it used to. I was reading an article about how both Netflix and YouTube have been asked to reduce the resolution of their uh, programming. Yeah, I saw that. um, That's pretty interesting to, to look at when you think about it because... The first question that comes to many minds, especially as it applies to Netflix, is are they also going to reduce their rates? Because their rates have been reflecting the fact that they have high speed, uh, high definition, sometimes even ultra high definition programming. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because the longer that this lockdown stays in effect, then uh, folks are going to be relying on different uh, providers such as Netflix to entertain them and not so much uh, will standard definition cut it, especially now that a lot of folks have these gargantuan TVs that are capable of so much quality HD, UHD goodness. So we'll have to see how that works out. Have you tried resetting your router, Steve? Oh, oh, uh, many times. I, I reset it every which way. I, I'll unplug the thing, plug it back in after 20 seconds. I'll, and then I'll go, okay, maybe it was just a plug. I need to unplug the, the, um, 
the the port itself. So I'll unplug that, wait for 20 seconds, plug it back. And I think, nope, you know what? There is a specific reset button on the router. I'll hit that. And then I hit that and that takes actually longer to reset. That takes about 50 seconds to a minute. So I'll do that. That doesn't work. Then I think, mm, maybe I'll just unplug like the, uh, the, 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 the telephone looking wire first and then I'll plug that in and then I'll unplug <laughs> the, blue the one, not the red one. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll unplug the power and then I'll plug that back in. So the whole thing gets reset. Maybe that's it. Maybe that'll work. Maybe that'll try something different. <laughs> maybe if I just pick it up and throw it on the ground, maybe that'll do it something. I don't know. Maybe Give a little, it a massage. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's a little bug making its home in there and that's why it's taken <laughs> so long to get the friggin' Wi-Fi. Anyhow. <laughs> Godly. Yeah, well, it is something that we've been talking about over here as well because uh, when it comes to AT&T, we have AT&T over here as well. And um, I actually ended up purchasing a third-party uh, router. Well, actually, I don't think it's a router. I think it's just the Wi-Fi portion itself. But it's um, it's made by Netgear. And I've used Netgear many times over the course of the last, I would say, 20 years. And they always make really, really awesome stuff. And so there's a, a, a product called the Nighthawk, I believe is what it's called. And I also bought an extender. The Nighthawk itself has a 3,500 square feet radius that it covers. And then I bought an extender, which will extend it by an additional 2,500 square feet. So that way we should have coverage everywhere. And it'll probably be spilling into the, well, it should anyway, it should be spilling coverage into the backyard and the front yard and that sort of thing. But I think this will help with what we've been dealing with because I am, for the most part, I'm in the same boat as, as you. And I just, I can't help but wonder if the router Wi-Fi combo that AT&T provides is kind of outdated. I, I've been reading online too about how um, apparently what they're using are like refurbished gateway systems. <clears throat> And some of the specs on those are pretty lame, to be honest, especially given today's expectations of having multiple streams happening in the house, whether it's gaming or it's movies or it's on tablets of some kind, watching YouTube, whatever. There's just a lot of data that's being transferred back and forth. But then again, maybe once I have that in place, it'll slow down even further because the amount of folks who are needing entertainment are going to be going on to places like Netflix and YouTube and video gaming, that sort of thing. So we'll have to see how that pans out. Steve, what have you been watching slash playing lately? Well, um, let's see. I'm now about 30% of the way through Ori uh, and the Will of the Wisps. <laughs> and it's still really good. Um, where are you in the game right now? Hmm... So I've been, I too have been playing a ton of Ori and the Will of the Wisps. And my daughter, by the way, Steve, loves the game. Uh, I don't doubt totally it. totally addicted. I, okay, I'm going to try my best not to give away spoilers because I, I, I feel as though I am probably somewhere around halfway done with the game-ish. It tells I, you, I, I, it tells you in the beginning when you, when you sign on how, like a percentage, percentage of how far you're, you're. You are. Yeah, I, so I was playing it last night, but I didn't look at when it was time for us to stop and go to bed, which by the way, my daughter didn't go to bed till like 11. Oh, good. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I didn't go back to the main menu. That's one of the cool things about that game is that it's constantly auto saving. So it's not like you have to exit back to the main menu in order for it to save. So I can't actually give you an accurate reading of where we are at, but I can say that there have been certain events, major events that have transpired. And I feel as though I'm within the ballpark. I, I would not be surprised if I was at least 50% overall completed with the game, if not more, but it, we'll just have to find out. The map itself, we, we were kind of, it's funny because like this happened in the original Ori and, and the Blind Forest where they they intentionally stump you as a gamer at times where you're not exactly sure where to go next. So you have to do some exploring and it's totally fine because the world is just absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. 
And I'm making my way through different parts, trying to find if there are any gray areas or, or fuzzy portions of the map that have not been fully uh, exposed, I guess, or revealed. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm in that, that state right now, but how about you, Steve? If, if you were to try and explain without giving too much away, how far along are you? Well, uh, let me just say a lot of epicness has happened. Um, that and I and and that being said, the game has told me that yes, even though you are thirty percent, that's not like you getting a bunch of abilities and doing a bunch of stuff and, and near completion. There is a lot more to explore. FYI, <laughs> you're not as awesome as you think you are. Keep going. So. Yeah. Uh, unless that has happened to you, Russ, you're probably not as far as you were because you, you're starting to sound like I did right around the time that uh, we were the last time we were talking about this game because I was getting stumped and I'm like, where am I supposed to go? I've traversed the map like six or seven times back and forth. Every little gray area is uncovered or un- unexplorable because of hundred percent death happening. If I go that way, what am I supposed to do? Uh, so I, I think, uh, let me ask you this, Russ, mm-hmm. is the water, is the water stagnant? Is the water stagnant in terms of like, will I be, will I get hurt if I try to swim in it? Yes. No. Oh, <laughs> so you, uh, so you did pass that part. That is awesome. That yes, was, it is so freaking amazing. I thought that was going to last longer than it did, but it didn't. And, um, that was epic. That was for us. I mean, for a side little small side scroller game, that was epic. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm so glad you're um, playing it because I, I knew that you would like it. You really do need to play the first one too. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check the first one out. So I, I know where you are. So I think you're, you're you're actually catching up because I'm exploring different parts of the map and I've uh, gone back to the areas I couldn't travel before. And um, there's a new enemy that is lurking in the background that looks absolutely magnificent. Um and so, anyhow, yeah, the game is the game is amazing. I actually haven't played anything else other than Ori. Um, I've I Netflix sent me season nineteen of South Park, which my wife doesn't like. So, um, <laughs> so I have to watch that on my own. Uh, and anyhow, but that that's literally what's going on with me. I come home and I play Ori, and then it's time to eat dinner, and then I, you know, <laughs> I have to go eat dinner. But that's about it. Does she like watching you play? Um, yeah, she does. Um, I think she likes it more when I, when she knows that I'm actually progressing versus when I'm lost and I'm like, okay, where am I supposed to go? And I'm flipping back and forth with the map and stuff. And, uh, by the way, does yours cut out every once in a while when you flip to the map? Like, does it take a while to load? Like just not, not, not like hours, but like a few extra seconds, like you're waiting there, like what's happening? The game's frozen when you go to the map. Yeah. So uh, what's interesting is that my I left my Xbox One X back in California with the the whole travel TV kit thing that I bought, and I've been playing the game here on my normal Xbox One. The Xbox One X had maybe like a split second of a pause, and that was it. It was it was hardly noticeable. But on the Xbox One, just the regular one, yeah, like there are times where when I go to the map, there is kind of a hitch where something will freeze. I notice that too when I'm trying to access a menu or something like that, sometimes during the gameplay where all of a sudden the game will like kind of freeze for a couple of seconds and then show some stuff. So that is a, a, a little bit of a kind of a, Oh man, kind of a thing, but it's not, it's not so bad that like, I'm like, Oh, this is unplayable. I can't play this. You know, right. it's, it's nothing like that at all. But I do think that when it comes to the game, they probably were coding quite a bit of it for the Xbox one X to, to be, taken advantage of do you notice a uh like a graphics resolution decrease with between both xboxes or do you think it just plays faster on the xbox one x no there is definitely a graphics reduction on the regular xbox one uh that that was interesting too because i was playing it with the standard 1080p 
But I'm noticing that without the Xbox One X, when I played on the regular Xbox One, there is um, some aliasing, some noticeable aliasing going on in the world and that sort of thing, which actually makes me wonder, well, yeah, because you have the regular Xbox One. You don't have an Xbox One X despite the the 4K TV that you own. So, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Do you see that yourself? No, I don't. I mean, it looks beautiful for me. It just tends to run a little slower, but the rest of I mean, it's, it's gorgeous for me. Oh, yeah, and it still is gorgeous on the, on the regular Xbox One. I just, that was one thing I did notice was that there is some more type of... Uh, probably lower res ish textures that are being used or something like that as opposed, I mean, Xbox one X, it is so amazingly crispy and it just makes me wonder what is this? Like if I had an Xbox one X with a 4k TV, this game would be like, I think my eyes would just be bleeding like unicorn rainbows or something because it, it would just be overwhelming to see that. But yeah, I well, oh, we ought to come over and check it out. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Well, even if I even I could come over, Steve, you don't have an Xbox One X, do you? Well, you'd have to. Bre- yeah, no, I don't. Well, I was gonna uh-huh. say. I was gonna say. Uh-huh. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. You could look at mine the way it looks on my TV, and compare <laughs> it with the way yours looks on your TV. I'm totally gonna like set up one of those temporary. I don't even know what that like hazmat. Uh, disinfect things like you'd see like in the movie outbreak or like X files or something, you know? So like I'll arrive there in my hazmat suit. I'll have this inflatable, like disinfectant, like shower thing right Right. outside your front door. (laughs) So like wind's going to be blowing on me and I got all this like acid on me and everything. I'm like, okay, I'm good. And I come in and I can (laughs) check out and see what's going on. (laughs) Okay. Let's let's play now. Yeah, <laughs> the blow dryers are a little out of control. I can't even like get out because like the force of the wind is so strong. I'm like, I can't get out of this thing. Anyway, I, yeah, I might be a little bit farther ahead uh, than you are in Ori, Steve. Well, what's say. happening with, with, with you? Where are you at, Russ? Without giving way to me spoilers. Okay, so uh, I think that is fair to say, like I can probably describe the weather Right, like because Ori, is, Ori is oh, a game that pretty much has like every type of geography and weather that you can expect. So I will tell you that I have been in some areas that have snow and ice, and I've been doing quite a bit of swimming to different places as, as well. But there um, are quite a few places I have not figured out how to get to as of yet. So I don't know if that... I think I'm further. Oh! <laughs> well, good. I, I like how we, we have to keep things very nebulous because it, it is fun to be able to try and figure out just where the heck wait a minute you said you were at the point where you had another uh large character creature thing uh, uh, is the area kind of like dagobah or is it more like i don't know deserty or what more deserty Ah, I will say then you are probably ahead of me because I have not figured out how to get to the desert areas yet. That's really cool. That's really cool, Steve. Because there was another creature in particular that I thought was really epic as well. That uh, was, I don't know, kind of uh, stomping around, if you know what I'm saying. Uh Uh-huh. And that was amazing. And like my daughter was absolutely just captivated by what was going on. It was really cool to watch how, how engrossed she is in the story and what's happening visually and stuff. So. Pretend the grocery aisles are stocked full. It's time for the topic of the day. Uh, 
topic of the day is being a gamer during the coronavirus. So I have a number of things I wanted to talk about regarding this. As everybody knows at this point in time, this is in fact uh, turning into quite a serious ordeal in the sense that this COVID-19 virus has caused um, pretty much a, a worldwide um I hate to say panic, but it essentially um, it has affected everybody around the world with various countries doing a nationwide lockdown. I know that Italy has done that. I think Spain has done that. Uh, France has either been considering it or maybe has followed suit. I think uh, Belgium has also done that as well. And so it does make me wonder um, how people are going to be able to entertain themselves with having more and more of the, these um, mandatory lockdowns and orders to stay inside and, and not be able to do what you um, are used to doing or accustomed to doing. And so passive entertainment, such as professional sports, movies, new TV shows in development, late night talk shows, conventions such as E3, GDC, WonderCon, uh, possibly even SDCC at this point and more are on hiatus. And um, so some of the, the articles that we've seen come down the pipe just over the past week, especially when it comes to theaters, for example, both AMC and Cinemark have announced that they are suspending um, allowing people to come and watch movies at their locations. Not only that, but you have movie studios who have delayed various releases of films that are already complete. Like they, they were like scheduled to come out this month. And I think that they are suspending it, of course, because they just wouldn't make any money. Uh, and I think when, it, especially when it comes to certain budgets that are pretty commonplace to be between a hundred to $200 million, they need to recoup the costs on that, not to mention the marketing. And so they've, They've suspended that. But on top of that as well, movie studios have delayed um, films that are in production. I mean, film, the actual films that are currently or have been currently in production have stopped. They're on hiatus too just because you have teams of people, whether it's the cast or the crew, who are together and they have just ordered everybody to, to go home as well due to what's happening. TV productions are the same way. They've stopped um, having any kind of new series that they're working on for the time being. And going back to the idea that, that the universal reason for this is having a concentration of people in close proximity to each other at a physical location. So um, it's interesting for us because that is a large section of joygasm in the sense that we love to, to watch movies. We love to check out various TV shows and be able to talk about it on the program. Now, Steve. Yeah. Do, do you think like, first of all, what are your thoughts regarding this portion of it? Like, do you, do you think, are you glad that, that um, these types of things are taking place? Well, yes and no. I mean, Yes, and the fact that they're going to extremes to limit the exposure and, and limit the, the spread of the virus. Um, I think they're going to farther extremes than they need to, but the result of it is that uh, people are losing a lot of work for it. And if they don't have money to pay their bills, they're definitely not going to be going back to the movies. Some folks won't. Some folks are still going to work and, and being just fine. But some folks are like, I don't even know how to pay my rent, um, my power, my water, um, because I'm out of work. Um, and so that's the other end of the spectrum where if you feel safe, great. But as long as you have some sort of money coming in. But if you've lost your job uh, because of it, because everyone's supposed to be home, then and you don't have any money coming in, then... I mean, once everything is, is back to normal, you're probably not going to be going back to the movie theater at all. You're probably going to be um, trying to find any kind of work you can to, to refill your coffers. But in terms of like, like the idea that movies themselves, both the theaters being shut down as well as um, the various 
productions that, that are going on, being on hiatus and that sort of thing. What are your thoughts on that specifically? Well, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, you know, celebrities are not going to be hurting very much for for funding as well as the script writers and, and cinematographers and whatnot. They're, they're getting paid either way, but and everything is going to be business as usual once the everything calms down. Um, but I, they can't be hypocrites either. I mean, uh, take The Witcher, for example. I mean, they're they're working on season two and everything has come to a, a screeching halt because of what's happening. And, and uh, I mean, you're, you're going to have large groups of people that are working on the sets and behind the sets. And, and so if they are going to be you know, getting sick in order to provide entertainment for thus for for us who um, are not doing the same thing. We're not going out into big, large groups. Then I don't know what that would say about us, the viewer, versus then the celebrity. You know, I you know it's kind of a hard choice to choose. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's 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 very surreal in the sense that I cannot believe that we're witnessing something like this because movies have always been just a, a place to, or, or a TV show for that matter. It, it, it's a kind of a, a common gathering where you, you go and you, you're just being entertained. You're being told a story and it, it's a place that people just want to go and have a good time. And it's, it's, it's interesting how that side of things has, has actually been, um, turned off, so to speak. But, um, the main thing though, about this particular topic is, is that gaming, however, is a different story. And I wanted to talk about this because this, there is um, a huge positive to this particular topic of the day as it applies to gaming. And I have a a list of of different um, talking points that I just wanted to address. Almost every developer and publisher have adopted a work from home setup to maintain forward momentum in creating new games. I, I can speak for myself. Working at 31st Union, which is um, uh, part of the, the 2K Games family, is such an example where when there was um, news of, of the, the, the virus spreading and the situation evolving, they were already just making plans to be able to continue working from a work-from-home setup. And... The silver lining um, to being in this situation is that it has forced not only the gaming industry, but many different industries to look into, develop, and support a work-from-home structure that previously had limited or no existence whatsoever. And I think it's worth talking about on on a number of different fronts. I I think that... um, on the one hand, there has been a dialogue that's been trending for um, the last several years about can you work from home or do you need to be at the office? And I think that, you know, despite the fact that this is a very horrible situation that's going on around the world right now, when I am searching for positives, what is interesting is that once this is all said and done, which I strongly believe, like we're going to get past this, we're going to get through this, and hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later. But the companies are going to be able to actually look at what type of structure they have um, created and put into place. And I think a dialogue will need to be have, um, or excuse me, will need to be had about um, how exactly are they going to move forward from there in terms of, are they going to continue supporting this type of structure? Because everything is in place at that point. And I think it reminds me of some conversations that you and I have had, Steve, about, um, how there are certain capabilities. I think we talked about this in in the previous episode about with regards to moon studios, for example, they're the developers who made Ori and the will of the wisps, their entire team, which is comprised of over 80 people all worked from home hundred percent of the time during the development of that game and how not only that, but their team, they live all over the world and yet they were still able to come together, be productive, uh, meet their deadlines and deliverables. And we, and we're playing it right now and we're completely blown away by what they're capable of doing. So I think that is an interesting thing to kind of chew on moving forward. When it comes to um, the gaming companies though, 
like it's not just 2K games that have adopted this. There are pretty much every major developer or publisher has been very vocal and public about how they are interested in uh, maintaining their employee safety and how they have also adopted some, some kind of work from home structure, uh, which is very interesting and telling. Not to mention the fact that the teams don't necessarily need to be in physical proximity to each other. You know, I think there are some special cases here and there, but for the most part, it's very much a, you know, you're working on your computer, you're generating art assets or design assets or you're coding, whatever it is. Those types of things you can do from anywhere in this day and age, which I think is a, a pretty cool thing. Have you heard, Steve, that GameStop is classifying itself as an essential business? <laughs> no, I haven't. I heard they so, were they were really riding on rough times. That's some alliteration there for you. <laughs> yes, it is very interesting to me. At first, I was thinking about exactly what you talked about just now, where I responded to it as them just trying to to stay afloat because they were starting to to get onto some hard times, and I think that in terms of funding and that sort of thing, I think that digital downloads are really eating into their profitability, like their, their bottom line. But then I was thinking about it and I think like a, a legit argument could be made why they see themselves as an essential business. And for those who, who are unfamiliar with it, the government, the U S government has really started to hint at and, and several States have implemented this already where they're going to be closing down restaurants, bars, concert halls, a lot, just a lot of different places where you have public gatherings for entertainment and socializing. And essentially they're, they're um, <laughs> to use that word abusively, they have decreed that only um, quote unquote essential businesses will remain open, such as like your energy sector, your food, your, your defense, um, just certain things like that. And so for GameStop to classify itself, I'm curious if the government will okay that or not. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not sure if they're going to have some sort of mandatory closure for GameStop or if they will continue to allow them to stay open. And here's why it's because I think that the psychology behind it is that people need some form of entertainment because so much of it has been stripped away. And I think gaming is going to be one of the saving graces of how people entertain themselves because everybody has uh everybody has to face family and figure out what to do with each other like oh man what who are these little people that are running around oh those are your kids you haven't seen them because you've been at work too much oh <laughs> who's this nice lady who keeps making us meals i like you i like you a lot that's your wife oh <laughs> i made a good choice i guess uh, <laughs> what are we supposed to all do with each other when, now that we can't go to the movies? I don't know. You're just Family staring time. at each other what blinking. A novel concept. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've played Monopoly 52 times and I've lost every single time. What else can we do? <laughs> well, and that's exactly it, is I think that as time goes on, and we have no idea how long this is going to be in place. So far, I think it's been about a week. And that has predominantly been in California, Washington State, um, even New York. But I don't think it, it has actually really been activated throughout the United States. Those are the early adopters. But having said that, as time goes on, there are going to be certain things that the family does throughout the nation. And I think that they're going to kind of get tired of doing those types of things. Or at the very least, they just need a break. They need, they need a break from doing um, other things that will keep them entertained temporarily or perhaps uh, have chores. And by the by, as I'm thinking about this, I would encourage folks out there to adopt a a kind of a, a daily routine or a daily schedule. And, and as someone who has done a fair amount of working from home at previous gigs and that sort of thing, I can tell you that it's important to just have a balance to be able to like have your, your structured time for when you're working. Definitely um, when you are on a lunch break, don't eat your lunch at your computer. You need to get up, have a change of scenery, 
be able to talk to your, your family and that sort of thing. And then when it comes to even maintaining the house, it's important that you have certain structures. Like if you want to get a little bit of workout time, do so at a specific time. And, and it really does help mentally. So not to digress too far into that. Thank but you for that, Russ. That, that, that you. is your joygasm public service announcement. But when it comes to go, you know going back to GameStop, uh, what, what do you think the chances are in terms of um, GameStop actually convincing the government that they are classified as an essential business? You know, I'm, I don't have anything against Game, GameStop, but I don't think it's going to work, honestly. Um, I mean, I had something in my email from GameStop saying, hey, you know, we got a sale going on, blah, blah, blah. Um, and either A, uh, I'm probably going to get my download either from uh, directly off of Microsoft or maybe, I mean, since I'm not really into the whole downloads, I'll order directly from Amazon. I'll, I'll get the game. And sometimes it's even cheaper than it is from Microsoft or uh, GameStop. Um, I think if GameStop offered something totally different, um, I don't, and I even know what, what different would be for them, but if they offered something different where uh, it was separate than what Microsoft offered or what Amazon offered, then I could see that yes, GameStop would be an, an essential business for the you know the government to to support and keep open. Otherwise, I mean they're not going to have. I doubt they would have employees come to work because if everyone's supposed to be home, they're not going to bring employees to work to to sell games and trade games and, and whatever whatnot. So I just don't see it really working. I mean I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer, but uh, I just don't see the government like granting them that that uh, that that check mark that check mark in the box saying yes you are essential um we'll we will definitely help you out to keep you open i don't know i just don't see it it does make me wonder though about their online presence because gamers can purchase new games via digital download from their homes and i think that is one of the linchpins about how the the gaming industry will not only get through this but i really do think that they're gonna they're in a position to thrive and I think when it comes to new games, um, whether you know you want to download through the PlayStation Network or Xbox Live, or if you want to order a game from Amazon, I think even GameStop has some sort of online setup. Um, even companies like Walmart, you can order things online from Walmart, and I believe they use either FedEx or UPS to be able to deliver the goods for that. But I, I do think that given how these things are set up, more folks will resort to playing games the longer uh, the mandatory lockdowns are active just because people need something to pass the time. And, and like I said, be entertained, not to mention that gaming itself is not necessarily con- you know classified as passive entertainment. It, it is very much an interactive entertainment. And I think that it will be good in terms of whether you need a break and you just want to like be transported to another world and be entertained. Or let's say, for instance, you have lots of children and you just need a break. Park your kids in front of a video game system. Let them play. Give, get yourself a couple hours of uh, uh, solitude. <laughs> that sort of thing. But it is interesting to look at how the dynamic of digital downloads is in play at this point in time. And I know that we've talked um, in the past, we've discussed the difference between um, the physical copy versus digital download. I do think that both can be utilized in this instance, so long as the various um, shipping carriers like FedEx, UPS, Amazon, if they're able to, to continue carrying out those orders, then we're good to go. If not, then then the physical copy side will have to be placed on hiatus, but at least the the, the digital download portion should remain in place. Of course, having said that, the the question comes into play too, will the download times be excruciatingly long when everybody is trying to use the internet? (laughs) Yeah, I remember when I downloaded Halo Master Chief uh, Collector's Edition. Oh, man back in California, that took like an entire day. And I'm not even, I'm not even going to extremes. Like I remember starting to download it thinking this will probably be quick. And then I, and it was in the morning and I thought, okay, well, I'll go to work. It'll, it'll be done by the time I get home. I got home. It was still downloading. I'm like, okay, but I don't think it's gonna be done tonight. I went to bed and I got up the next morning. And by the time I had to go to work again, it had finished downloading. And so I, I got to play it once I got home from work. But that's how long it took to download the game. 
Nice. You know, another thing that comes to mind too is the release of the next gen systems. You know, it's going to be interesting to see, I don't know, a, a number of different things. I mean, will we still be in lockdown by November? I know that, that Microsoft announced that, that the Xbox Series X is slated for release on November 26th, which is Thanksgiving of this year. I'm not sure if Sony has released. Have you heard anything about, about the, the PS5 release date? I, no, I haven't. Okay. But again, it's going to be interesting to see, like, what, are we still going to be in lockdown by that point? That's probably, what is that? How many months away is that? Five months away? No, it's more like eight months away. Eight-ish months away um, at, at the time of this recording. Um, another question is, will Amazon support delivery of consoles? You know, again, assuming that we're, well, that we're in lockdown at the time that these systems are released... I, I have no idea if the, the shipping companies are going to be maxed out or if they're going to be told only deliver the essentials like medicine, food, that sort of thing. What do you think? Do you think, do you think they'd actually, if we were still in lockdown by the end of, of this year, that they would be willing slash able to deliver next-gen console systems? Yeah, I don't know because it depends on how much of that is, is made and manufactured in China uh, because – I mean, if if they think that you know shipping all that stuff over here wants it, you know, since it's been in China, um, I mean, everybody started freaking out with the medication. They're like, oh, you know, a lot of the medication comes from China, um, so make sure you get your pills now, <laughs> whatever you need, because whatever is going is going to be shipped from there from this point forward, or at least for the next couple months, um, you know, might have um, you know coronavirus with it in a sense. So. Um, and a lot of other manufacturers like Apple, for example, uh, you know, they have their, you know, they, they thought their release date for their next phone is going to be pushed out because everyone's manufacturing the new phone over there. So it really depends on, I think, on how, how serious it still is or if folks are still coming down with it or more cases are still being, uh, you know, uh, registered across the nation of, yep, it still exists, we're still contagious, people are still getting it. Then I think, well, they'll, they'll probably postpone it. Otherwise, if we got more of a handle on it and people are slowly starting to go back to work doing doing the jobs they can do and you know the green light is is given towards more industries to reopen their doors then i think that everything will be on track for their, for the dates they they put out it is interesting that you touch upon the idea that so much is made in china um, and i i do think that there are lots of companies out there that are having to examine their schedules for their product releases as well as the 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 actual um, facilities themselves that are based in China, how exactly are they going to move forward with all this stuff going on? Just simply because I think people are going to be pretty apprehensive, to say the least, if they are ordering different products that are made in China at this point in time. Clearly, when the the virus has been dealt with and it's no longer an issue, then that will go away. But it has revealed to a certain extent how much of a dependency we as customers have on a country like China, just because a lot of the different companies, whether they're based in America or they're based in Europe, they have set up a lot of their, their production pipelines in China. And I I'm, I'm very curious to see like, you know, will the next Apple iPhone be delayed or are there other types of, of products that are going to have to see a, a release date punting, or delay, if you will. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. Assuming that, that GameStop is still open for business at the end of this year, that could be another option in terms of like, like so let's say, for instance, they're not um, offering any kind of shipping of that sort of thing, but because GameStop only sells games, and if they're able to, to convince the federal government that they are a, quote, essential business, I could see lines forming six feet apart from each other. Uh, the, the ability to be able to pick up a, a, a newly minted PS5 or Xbox Series X. Having said that, though, it is, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, if, if I knew that that they were being put together in China, um, much less, I mean, even if it was placed, or not placed, but if it was built um, in another country, I would still have my reservations simply because looking at the COVID-19 uh, sick map, it's everywhere. Let me just 
pause you right there, Russ. Um, Sony with their marketing campaigns and releasing their systems, I don't think anyone's going to have a problem with, with forming lines to get in the system because you know as well as I do, they only give like two per like retailer. And so anybody that goes to a GameStop or a Target, they're going to have like two to sell. They're not going to have 20. And then it's going to be like six weeks or something before they get a new shipment. That's how they usually are. That's how they've been for the last four years. You know it, Russ. Come on. Yeah. It ain't going to be any different. They're going to be following in line with how they were doing their, their release stuff. And then by the time everything is under wraps and everything's good to go, they'll have this entire truckload per retailer of, of exponential numbers of systems to sell. That's how but, it always has been. But would you feel comfortable in actually purchasing? Like if, if they had, uh, so let's say, a brand new Xbox Series X uh, for you to buy, would you feel comfortable in buying it and opening it up if it was made in a place like China where there um, is a massive spread of COVID-19? Hmm. Well, Russ. It's a pretty good question, isn't it? Because I don't even know. Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I, um, the, the bragger in me would have to say yes. The other shoulder (laughs) conscience would have to say, are you mad? Are you mad? (laughs) Uh, so I don't know. It would have to, it would have to be at the, at the time I I just have to see, because I'd love to dig into that box and think that, Ooh, you know, I'm the only one, one of the only people that's got one of these. And then other, other side of my shoulder is going to say, if you open this, there's a chance you're going to get sick. So good luck, but don't blame us. <laughs> yeah. I, I suppose there could be some kind of procedure in place that disinfects the different components and parts as it's being boxed up. I, I can't imagine. Well, I, I honestly don't know. I, I don't know like how they go about doing it. They, it might be completely done by machine where like you, they just are placing the consoles into the styrofoam that goes into the boxes and that sort of thing. Or they might have a line of people that are doing it as they're, they're putting the boxes together. I have no idea. You but, never know if something, if some dude or dudette, has their mask and something happens and they go, <laughs> okay, no, 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 not that one. Oh, well. And then it, <laughs> <laughs> where to go? Where to go? I don't know. And then it gets shrek that box. <laughs> oh gosh. Exactly. I do think it's worth mentioning that. Um, I think that having this type of situation brings to the forefront, the idea that uh, when it comes to commerce, it truly has been an international community for quite some time. I think that when it, you know, despite um, the the next gen consoles that we've been talking about, even looking at how companies do business with each other and how they've set up locations that are international or having companies that are here in America that do business with other companies that are from around the world. I think that there is a very symbiotic relationship um, that happens, you know, on any given normal day, you're having folks who are flying back and forth all over the world. You're having business being conducted. And I think that that is, it really is a neat thing to look at. I think it's, it's super cool. Having said that though, I think also that um, it has revealed certain types of potential weaknesses that can be um, exploited. And I think that this is one of those types of um, situations where, how do um, various leaders from different countries how do, how do are how are they able to respond? And I don't think that they really have certain measures in place to be able to take something like this on on a more regular occurrence. Because it's one thing, like if you look back in the, the old days, the, before airplanes existed, and it was really hard to like. <laughs> Um, sail a ship across the Atlantic Ocean, that sort of thing. You had much more isolation when it came to the various cultures and countries. So like if there was an outbreak somewhere, it really only affected a limited space. It wasn't this global issue that was going on. And I do think that a conversation needs to be had about different types of reform to, that, that are designed to be able to be flipped on and off at a moment's notice. So if something like this were to spring up again, 
that the countries are able to take certain types of actions that help protect their people until the crisis has been um, dealt with and, and it's over with. And then they can reopen, like, for instance, like travel places and, and that sort of thing. But um, it, it, that is a, a, a kind of a, a side note that's been kind of marinating in my mind, wondering how are the leaders of um, the world going to be able to come up with different solutions for that? Do you have any concluding thoughts, Steve? If anyone hasn't heard, Onward is going to be available to stream on Disney Plus, Russ, by April 3rd and available to download now. So Disney's taking some, some good steps. Onward's an awesome movie. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M, and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it honestly helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Stay safe out there.